Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. And we are wrapping up corner week with our rankings, our top five rankings for the position group. We've got one more position group to come after this. This following week, it is going to be the safeties, but let's get into these corners, Ryan. We did three matchup shows so far. We talked about Keely Ringo. We talked about Eli Ricks, Clark Phillips, Garrett Williams, Cam Smith, Cam Hart. We got across some pretty good scouting reports for these guys, and now we're going to rank them and some outside guys as well that didn't fit into these scouting report episodes. We talked about it a little bit, though, yesterday, Ryan. And I think Mm -hmm. that the resounding overview of this corner class is that there's some talented names amongst the group, but not really any high-end talent, plus a plethora of high-end talent like we've had over the past few drafts. It's a bit of a step down from what we've seen previously. I do think it has nice depth, though. I mean, if we're just looking at, I I think there's a... Right. High volume of nickels that, that we haven't really touched on, the Josh DeBerry's of the world, the Taiwan Mullins, that, that brand of nickel corner, uh, Trevavius Hodges Tomlinson, the who I think is the nephew of Damian Thompson that plays at TCU. Like, There's some good smaller nickels. I think there's some very good developmental big corners that we're probably not going to hit too much on today. But I like the volume of the class. I like the quality of the depth of the class. I think there's a – decent amount of starting options on this level. But to your point, Joe, I, I don't think that there's right now I have one corner that I think has like legitimate chance to go like top 10 to 15. After that, I think there's a couple guys that could sneak first round conversation, do that type of thing. But for the most part, this seems like a day two heavy type of class to me, just kind of on preliminary watching right now. I also find it funny that the last two classes, just, just the last two classes, a lot of really good receivers, uh, you know, a lot of really good corners. We, past, actually, you can look past the past two, but recently we have a run of a lot of really good receivers, a lot of really good corners. But this year's class is not the market correction, but the drop off for both of those groups, the two groups that are going one on one against each other. There's obviously no real reasoning for this, it's just the timing of it. But it's really funny how things work out because these are the two position groups that are maybe a little bit weaker, but they still have good depth, but are a little bit weaker amongst the entire class. Yeah. I feel like you don't really usually see this that much. Like usually it's like, all right, one year you'll have a great wide receiver class and just an okay cornerback class. And then maybe the flip flops a little bit where it's a good wide receiver class, but it's a phenomenal cornerback class. Like I feel like it kind of interchanges a little bit, but this one is 
pretty evenly matched. I would call the, I would call both the wide receiver and the cornerback class that we're diving into more today. I would call it a solid to good class. You know, like I don't think it's a bad class by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a very early on, and we're almost through. I mean, we have to work on safeties next week, but we're almost through this class. I would say that this is a very, it's a very, it's a really good class when we're talking about defensive line just in general, like interior defensive linemen, edge players, fantastic, running backs, tight ends, fantastic. But I think right now we're seeing like the premier skill position talents on both sides of the ball, the corners, wide receivers. It's just a very solid class right now, but there's upside with it. So we'll see how it, 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 uh, We'll see how it develops during the season. I, I got to throw out a little bit of a hot take. Having gotten through, we've got one position group left. Having gotten through yep. all of these guys, I don't think it should be a stretch to say that this draft class is not a significant drop-off, but a drop-off from the previous few classes. Like This is a, a overall, I think if we look at it overall, I think it's a relatively weaker class because we had... We were packed with talent of guys coming back, guys having extra time to train. We had a lot of really talented FCS classes the past two drafts. I feel like overall this is just generally a weak, weaker class. See, I, I would like to go through a list because I actually think that would be a really good podcast, Joe. We yeah. kind of just compared it a little bit. But, I mean, from my recollection, two years ago, I thought it actually was just like a, a good class. Like it was 600 – I think it was around 650 players, but I thought it was a really strong class. This past cycle – Really I thought that there was a oh. lot of players, right? Mm. Like there was 2,100 players in this last class, so there was a good amount of depth at several spots. But I didn't think it was a very strong class up top. I actually think that this class is going to be stronger up top than that than the last really? one, for being honest. But, it, but, it's, but just, what it's not going to have the natural depth just be based upon the numbers, though. Yeah, the, the, the depth – I'm more coming at it with the depth because I feel like we've, we talked really highly of Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. Those guys at the top are supremely talented. Dogs. They are much yeah. more talented – than the guys that we saw drafted at the top last year. That's yeah. not a debate. The quarterbacks are far and away much better. But I, I I keep finding myself after you get outside of that like top 20, it just mm -hmm. it's kind of dwindling. Like I feel like I keep having to force myself to include guys in the late end of the first round conversation, early second conversation. And it's just a lot of like day two guys that it, we keep we keep discussing and bringing up. Me maybe that's just my my newness, I know there's a better word to use that than that, but uh, my newness to the evaluation process, but I, mm -hmm. I I feel as though we're there's not a the depth isn't as quality. There's a lot of guys, but it's just not as it there's not as many guys that are good enough to be in that that late first discussion. This is a good test for you though. Now that you're okay. doing the evaluations, we're gonna see a really good sample of how guys progress through the season, right? Because I'm True. curious to see how your opinion on the class changes, you know, just kind of during the season because guys will rise, guys will fall, guys will burst on the scene that you've never heard of up until that point. So things will always change, but I think it's a really, I think it's a really cool, I think it's a really cool opportunity for you just in general, just mm -hmm. to kind of see how volatile things can be in the draft world. Because, I mean, I've been in some years where it's like, I did not like the draft in the summer, and then it turns out to be one of the better classes that I've ever graded. I've had it the other way where it's like I really like the class, and then things just kind of dwindle a little bit at certain positions. And then there's some classes where, like, you end up 
with the top of the classes, guys that you didn't even watch in the summer because it was just like they came out of nowhere. So I'm interested to see how things evolve for you in your first cycle doing evaluations. Well, I, that really warms my heart that that you're that uh you know you you have that outlook for me that I'm not I'm not always <laughs> negative, Joe. I'm not always negative. I know. Which um, you know, that surprises a lot of people. I, I love that one tweet you had the other day. By the way, that uh, you, actually you had a couple tweets like talking about, you know, you might be abrasive, but mm-hmm. you, you're talking about your interactions on Twitter. Which I, I'd rather be. You, I, I always am of the sense I'd rather be obnoxious on Twitter than be overly friendly. You know, you know what's funny, Joe? We haven't talked about this. The other day on Twitter, someone accused me of. Um, subtweeting them or quoted, uh, yeah, subtweeting them, right? So, and I'm just like, Wait, who was it? Uh, I forget, man. I really actually don't remember. Okay. I- I'll try to find it, but I was just like, I don't subtweet people. If I have something to say, yeah, I you, say you're it the to most you. direct <laughs> person on Twitter, which is it's, which is hilarious. I'm of anyone like, that I, I have never, I have never made a tweet about somebody that I have not said to them directly. Like that's not that's not my style, person. There, there, even, and I won't say who. There was even uh, an organization that both of us are not on good terms with. That mm-hmm. you would quite literally call them out, like you didn't oh, yeah. subtweet them, and like nope. th- that, yeah, I, that's that's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I was literally li- just like, I was dumbfounded for a second because yeah. I'm like, wait, I was like, someone accused me of not being like direct or blunt enough towards them. Like, are, are, are am I am I losing my? Because like the one thing I'll say here, man, is I and I put it out on Twitter. Like you said, I was like, I am abrasive at times. I am very passionate and. So there's sometimes where I'm like, huh, I probably shouldn't have sent that tweet. Like th- that happens all the time to me. Mm-hmm. I don't delete tweets though, because I think that we do learn from our mistakes. Me, not always, but th- in theory, we learn from our mistakes, but I will. Uh, but the one thing that I am is I am very honest with how I feel about people. Let's like, I mean, I throw shade at, at organizations all the time and people all the time. And I know some people don't like that, whatever, but like, do not say that I'm not direct, please. Like I am a very direct person with my uh, with my critiques. Speaking of mistakes, uh, let's get into our cornerback rankings. Before we do, though, I, I would like to share a, a message from Bet Online. Had some bozo on the YouTube trying to direct us to go to a different betting site. Which if they want to pay us, sure, but Bet Online's paying us. So Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events first to market odds and lines and it's not just that they're paying us like i love using bet online it is really really easy to use it's super straightforward the benefit that you get and is that you can bet wherever it's not legal in california but i'm able to bet here in the meantime until it's legalized bet online is is to me having seen some of these other offshore books or having to directly go through a bookie i have friends who do that stuff i'd much rather go through bet online which is an actual reputable uh, website and source for you know your betting access and your betting needs. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Ryan, starting us off at number five. I have Cam Hart from Notre Dame. We talked about Cam Hart, the length, the size. I, After thinking back on what you talked about with him, I, I have 
a, a positive outlook for Cam Hart because he is a tall, long, explosive corner. And one of the things that you said and emphasized a lot on Cam Hart is that if he can work through some of the issues that he has, those traits are good enough to maybe boost him up in this class. He's, he's a little bit new to the position, previously a receiver. But Cam Hart from Notre Dame has that build, has that size to, I think, be an effective starting corner. And where I projected him, end of the end of the second round, I think fits nicely at that five spot for me in my corner rankings. But I think both of us here are, are pretty big fans of of Cam Hart from Notre Dame. We we are. I mean, I've really I really like Cam at time. Like you said, former wide receiver recruit, very under recruited kid, but he's on the freaks list, six two and a half, two hundred and five pounds, twenty one point seven miles per hour on the GPS, the eleven two broad jump, thirty eight inch vert fantastic testing numbers that we can foresee from a cam Hart, and it matches on film man like you see it there and i think that there's a level up that he can take from a com- just a comfortability of playing the position level which i'm excited to see joe this fifth spot though was the toughest decision that i've had on today's show of, wait is cam Hart in your top five I'm getting there. Okay. So sorry. No, 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 no. It's a perfect segue because I was between two players and Cam Hart was one of them. And I opted to put Cam Hart at six. So we're pretty close. This was a comparison of a floor versus ceiling thing. And I could buy in all day to Cam Hart, but I ended up going with Garrett Williams as my number five from Syracuse Mm. because I, I know that I like him a little bit more than you do, but I see a, extremely loose athletic kid who is not going to be a press man corner like Cam Hart can be at, at his peak, but as an off man zone corner, I think Garrett has tremendous athleticism. He can flip and run with just about anybody changes direction. And I love how he attacks the run game, man. Like he comes up and plays a very physical brand of football. I think, and again, I, I talked a little bit about my past interview with him. He talked about it, that he really emulated Jair Alexander. And while I, I'm not, while I don't think he's going to be a Jair Alexander type of player at the next level, I do think stylistically there's some things to kind of get there, right? Like he's an outside kid who can also play inside, can do a lot of different things from the cornerback position. So I opted for the floor a little bit. I really do like Garrett Williams from Syracuse a ton. My not issue. I, I, I think Garrett Williams – a lot of these guys that we watched are, are very traitsy players. I think Clark Phillips is the only exception to that, and we're both going to end up talking about him, uh, if that's not a spoiler. Garrett Williams definitely fits that, that traitsy mold. Not that tall, but linearly, he is much faster than Cam Hart because he's smaller, but he is really freaking fast. He might be one of the fastest corners in the group that, that we're talking about on today's show. My only qualm with him is just the technical side of things. And I discuss this on the show. Mm-hmm. The, the, the technical play, the, the, his, his technique is, is not great. His spatial awareness is not great. And his positioning was not great. Like I saw him out of position a ton against Liberty of all teams. He's not going against world beating corner or receivers rather on Liberty. So how is he going to face against guys in the NFL? How is he going to play? against guys in the NFL. And I I just need to see more from his positioning. It didn't seem like it was all because his technique was bad. It a lot of it for me was just seeing him not in the right spot and maybe not knowing how to properly place himself in the right spot. Well, he's a player that's going to have a season to prove you wrong, Joe. So I look forward <laughs> to, to the step that he takes this year, man. I like him. I like him a lot. All right. Who's your number four? My number four 
My number four, this is going to be a shocker to some people and people are going to start putting stuff in the chat chat here soon and say like you're an idiot and stuff. But I have Eli Ricks from Alabama, LSU transfer at number four. We talked about it, man. I think he's a little scheme dependent, but he has, you know, he's 6'2", 190 something pounds, long arms. I think he understands how to play the position pretty well. I like his eye discipline in zone. I just am struggling with him a little bit because I just don't see a great athlete on film. I kind of compared him during our show to Trevon Diggs. I think that he's going to make a lot of plays on the football because I think he's a very intelligent football player. He has crazy length, and I think he has really good ball skills. I just I don't think that he's good. He ha- wasn't really used much as a press man corner just in general at LSU this past year, and I think part of that is because when you're a press man corner, if you have a little – Lapse in technique at the line of scrimmage. You're not able to get an initial contact and and have a good you know play at to mirror at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes you're going to get in a bad position because you're just not you don't have the makeup speed to be able to you know to have some margin for error there. So I don't think I think that he's just a little scheme dependent, like a cover three heavy team. I think he can play some off man and that type of zone schemes. But I just I don't I don't see a great athlete. So I see more a day two football player who I think in the right system could be a good to like I think he could be a very productive football player. I just don't know if I see number one corner and scheme diversity. I see a little bit more scheme specificness with a guy like an Eli Ricks. Not to jump around too much, but Eli Ricks for me was was my number three prospect. I believe that I, I that Eli Ricks or I saw Eli Ricks as a slightly, not significantly, slightly better athlete than you did. I think he moves well. He's probably going to be one of those four or five corners in terms of his speed. And he's got the length to back up being a little bit slower, which, you know, it's it's not like this is a small compact guy that's moving too slowly. Right. I, and I said this on the show when we, we talked about him, if Trevon Diggs went where he did and he was, I think, a step back in terms of a quality of a prospect in terms of the traits coming mm-hmm. out than Eli Ricks is right now. If Ricks takes a slight step forward and is exposed to different coverages where he was playing a lot of off zone, a lot of deep drops, I want to see him do a lot more things. I think if you can show that to me, that makes him good enough to be a top 50 player. I see him as a top 50 player right now. The length and the size is fantastic. And with enough teams, I know it's not significant, but with enough teams that come from the, you know, the, that have a similar thinking to Dan Quinn, where they love those cover three corners, they like guys like Trevon Diggs, like James Bradbury. I think that someone's going to be really excited to scoop him up. The only thing that hurts him in this circumstance, and I might have had him higher, is the inability for a man based team to select him. I think most man right. teams are going to probably not avoid him, but be deterred and rank other guys ahead of him. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, like I said, I, I think there's some scheme dependency, but for that scheme, this is what the, it's the tough part about independent scouting that we talk all the time about Joe, right? It's like we are scouting for every scheme, right? So for me, a guy that has the ability to play multiple different types of sch- schemes from a defensive perspective, I'm always going to value more, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a, so, like, I am going to value a guy that can play press man, yeah. that can play some off, do all that type of stuff. But a cover three heavy scheme might look at Eli Ricks and say, that's the number one corner in this draft for us, right? Like, that's where we kind of get into that little scheme dependency versus scheme, you know, scheme diversity type of situation. So, it's interesting. Can I guess your number four? Yes. Cam Smith. Oh, wait. 
you're not allowed to guess, and you know exactly why you're not allowed to guess. But yes, it's Cam Smith. Uh, Cam Smith <laughs> from South Carolina. Yeah. Decent build, a little bit taller and longer. Uh, we talked about how we should not buy into him having the same rise as J.C. Horn. Quality athlete. He's not an elite athlete like J.C. was, but he's a good athlete. He is a plus athlete. He's slightly above average, which is what you want from a day two corner. But the ball skills for me is what excited me. I, I love watching guys with ball skills. I We talked about that specific play against Clemson. I was in awe watching him make that play against Clemson. I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is going to either be a dead ball or Clemson's receiver is going to catch it. And I was like, hold on. Did he just catch it? I kept rewinding it, rewinding it, rewinding it. He almost plays like a receiver. And we don't know exactly his background playing receiver in high school. But, man, those ball skills are fantastic. And I think that's enough for me to push him up to that four spot uh, as a, a mid to late second round corner. Yeah, I think we're in a similar ballpark with, with a Cam Smith. He would have been right after Cam Hart for me. Would have been seven. Seven but again. I think that I think that that like for me like that four through seven type of thing type of conversation when we're talking about the players that we have on this list. I think it's really packed together. So it's really at that point like what do you prefer, right? Like that's that's kind of where I am with a Cam Smith. I like Cam Smith. I think he's a good all around athlete. To your points. Tremendous ball skills, probably the best ball skills of anybody that we've yeah, had on easily. this on this podcast, in my opinion. Like he finishes like a wide receiver through contact. So I like Cam. I just quite I question the upside as far as like how good he can be athletically, and then the tackling really just did not like it. Man, he's an ankle yeah. biter, and it scares me a little bit. So there, that's, those are just a couple of my hesitations. But he's a good football player that I would also value on day two somewhere. There's no doubt. Who's your number three? A guy that you probably don't know. So it's going to be fun. Ready? Go for it. Jalen Jones from Texas A&M is my number three. He you did is, tell me to watch him. I did not get around him. Yes. So, Joe, I know I'm, I'm – so I'm going to say this right now to start. I am going to be higher on Jalen Jones than probably anybody else in this draft sphere. I'm telling you this right now. But my man will start here, 6'2". 205 pounds, so he's in like that Cam Hart's, um, Keely Ringo type of mold. Former five-star recruit that, depending on what service you asked, ranked him as a corner or a safety. So he was a guy that was looked to be kind of a diverse player. And I will say, to start this podcast off with, with well, with Jalen Jones, there's a, he's a work in progress from a zone instinct perspective. There's just sometimes where I'm just like, you are just more worried about covering a space than you are about actually playing pass defense, and there is a huge difference. But he may have the best combination of size and ability to change direction that I have seen on film of any cornerback in this cycle, man. He changes direction as well as anybody on this list. He can flip his hips. He can turn and run. He can collapse uh, you know, on, on underneath routes. This kid is a special athlete, not a good athlete a special athlete. And he had some production last year. I think he had two interceptions, nine pass breakups, some type of number like that. I watched him in the Alabama game where I did not see a corner do a better job on Jamison Williams than what Jalen Jones did, in my opinion. So he's in a very crowded room at Texas A&M. They have Miles, Miles, um, Miles Jones coming back, cornerback from injury, who's coming back for his sixth year. They also Yikes. have another corner named Tyreek Chappelle, who's a pretty solid little player out of Pennsylvania. Actually, he's out of Philadelphia area. And he was actually higher graded by like 
PFF and stuff, but I'm telling you right now, Joe, Jalen Jones, if he puts it together this year, he could contend with Kaylee Ringo. He's that good of an athlete. He's not going to run as fast as Kaylee because Kaylee is just a burner, but Jalen Jones has some absolute special traits. I'm in on him, man. The ability for him to mirror a match at 6'2", 205, and play with physicality. Yes, this is my type of corner. He reminds me stylistically. I'm not saying he's going to be J.C. Horn, but he reminds me stylistically of J.C. Horn. This is that press man, explosive athlete. Everything is there for Jalen Jones. He just needs to be more consistent on a snap-to-snap basis. The one thing I... I I had not watched this guy, and I, I'm going to make the time to to watch him before the start of the season. But I feel like a lot of these Texas A&M guys, we've brought up a handful of them, mm-hmm. fit that description that you kind of just had. Great athlete, great build, not all there in terms of his development. I don't know if that's something to say about Jimbo Fisher and his coaching staff, but it is kind of – it's a bit funny that a yeah. lot of these guys fit that 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 moniker, that description. You know what's you know what's interesting about that is that Mike Elko is our defensive coordinator, who I think is a really smart defensive guy, and but he's now the head coach of Duke. He he left this offseason to be the Duke Blue Devils head coach. So I don't know who their defensive coordinator is now. And it is very interesting because I always respected Mike Elko as kind of a developer of defensive talent, but for whatever reason, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. There are, there have been a couple of players that have not developed. I mean, I think like DeMarvin Leal last year, right? Like really talented player. He had a top 15 talent in my opinion, but he doesn't go to the second round just because he did not take the step forward last year. But I I think that there is some validity to your conversation, Joe. The the one other note that I wanted to throw on Jalen Jones before we get to your next player on the list. He is only 20 years old. April 3rd, 2002 was his birthday, is his birthday to make you feel very old. So he is a young, (laughs) young cat. There's only one of them. I don't feel that old. You, you, on the other hand, that's, that's yeah. Well, now I feel ancient, man. I feel ancient. We're talking about 2000 babies at this point, but he is the second youngest guy that I have on my list. We'll get to the youngest down the line here. Uh, So I've already covered my number three, my number two, somebody that I know that you're very high on, and I'm curious where he slots. Clark Phillips from from Utah is 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 my number two corner. Technically, out of anybody we've discussed, he's the best. His positioning is great. His understanding how to win, despite being a smaller corner, is 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 pretty amazing to watch. And I was kind of crapping on him, and I was talking about how like you know maybe this is a guy who's only a a nickel guy, but the more I thought about it, the more that I, I realized that a guy like this can have success. I'm no, I don't believe he is as good or has a ceiling as high as Denzel Ward or Jair Alexander, but I think he is good enough to go in the middle to the end of the, the first round. He has that level of talent, that level of technique, um, and he moves very, very well for you know for a guy of, of his of his frame. Joe, I got to you, man. I, 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 a little I bit. got to you. I got to you here, man. Because you, but I don't. I, thought, I, I, I'm not willing to put him at number one. Like I think you were willing to consider. No, I, I wasn't really considering that. To be honest, I think he was. I mean, he was easily my number two, though. Like there was, it was, no it was face. just so simple for me because everything about Clark is just my type, man. Like he is a scrappy, physically well put together kid. I think his athleticism across the board is all good to to very good. I think he can turn a run just fine. I think that change of direction is very good. But I think the biggest thing about Clark Phillips that I love 
is that he's so instinctual and he plays such a physical brand of football for his size. Like we mentioned, he might, he might only be five, nine and a half, five, ten. but I, it's not very often that I watch a guy that might be sub foot five, ten, And I say like, Oh, he can definitely play outside. And that's where I am with Clark Phillips. Like I don't have any worries about him moving inside, but I also know that he can move inside if you need to, because he mirror matches well and he's incredibly intelligent. I'm all the way in on Clark Phillips. That's a first round player in my opinion. Yeah. We, we dove pretty deep on him. So I don't think we need to, to keep, recircling back everybody knows that we're clark phillip fans on this show i know for a fact though i'm much higher on my number one guy than you are much higher keely ringo Ringo from georgia i think this is a top 10 guy man i think this is a top 10 top 15 corner six foot two 210 pounds the movement skills are silly and i know that his technique is not great his positioning is not great he relies heavily on his athleticism at times when he makes mistakes but if you can wrangle all that in and, and ask him to clean up those issues, it's it's stupid watching him move as a corner. And I think that he could be a very elite player in the NFL. I think he has that capability. I, I don't disagree with anything you said, man. Like I said, he is the only player for me right now that I could project to maybe be in a top 10 pick. Like he has that type of upside. 6'2", 205, long arms, 4'3", athlete. He was a 10 4 300 meter guy. He was a it was a 21 18 I think in the 200. So this kid's a silly athlete. There's no doubt about it. And he's it's really fun because he is still pretty raw. You know, like he's only a one year starter. He could be a whole lot better. So I'm there with you, Joe. Joe, what 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 is uh, today's date? Today is the 12th of August. So on June 27th of this year, Keely Ringo turned 20 years old. He just turned 20 years That's old. That's insane. Yes. So he will be a 20-year-old really kid. A child. Yes. He will be 20 years old during the time of the draft if he declares. Wait, so when was his birthday? It is uh, June tw- June 27th. Okay. So he will be he will be 20 years old for the first couple years of his and it, well, for the first couple years after getting uh first couple months, excuse me, of being drafted. There we go. So he is a young Young cat, and that shows up on film. But when you're talking about the height, weight, speed combination that this kid has a corner, this is special. Like, he mm-hmm. could be he's more, he's faster than Xavier Rhodes, but like, he gives me Xavier Rhodes vibes. Like, that's what he could be. Like, physically, he could just, you could just say, like, eliminate that kid at the line of scrimmage and just don't let him out of your hip pocket. Like, that's what that kid can be, in my opinion. So, everything's there for Keeler Ringo, man. He needs to take a step forward. But you could you could you could talk me into him being a top five to ten player when it's all said and done. Wow, he has that type. Of, he has that type of upside. He does. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm bought in. I'm 100 percent bought in, and I, I think at the very least, if he takes a slight step forward, if it's not a ginormous one, I'm still keeping him where I have him. I think I think he's that that freaking talented. I I don't think any of the other guys, the, the corners in the past class, were were as athletic as he is. Is that a stretch to say? Hmm. Because wait, no. it, was De- it was Derek Stingley, Kyir Elam, uh, Andrew Booth, I, and who was the other? Fir- Trent McDuffie. Who? There was one other first round guy. Um, was that all? Wasn't uh? Wait, did you say Kyir Elam? Kyir Elam, Trent McDuffie, Derek Stingley. Oh, Sauce, oh, Gardner. Sauce Gardner. I think he's a better athlete than Sauce, and he compares to him size wise. He's a better athlete than Sauce. I would say he is probably a similar athlete to a Derek Stingley, but the difference is that he's considerably bigger than Derek Stingley. Like Stingley was like 189, 190 pounds. This kid we're talking about being 205. 210. 210. That's bonkers. Yeah. 
yeah so he's he's right there athletically and also he's much bigger which is why i kind of comped him to if you look at xavier rhodes xavier rhodes was like 6'2 210 as well like he was a gigantic corner all right, I think that's going to wrap us up on at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, at NFL Prospects Pod. We've got one more position group to go over, and then we're going to transition to a bit more college football coverage. But stay tuned and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on anything else coming your way. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.